Fantastic. So, uh, I watched the new Lucy Hale movie today. Oh, wait, it dropped today? It dropped today, <laughs> the, the hating game. It's very fun ficky because it's about two... It's essentially enemies to lovers. And, like, it brought me a lot of joy. It's not a good film, but it brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> That's what counts the most, really. Mm. Also, you both you've both seen Venom Carnage, right? Yes, it's so oh sick. <laughs> oh, it's so sick. I love Venom. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> okay, just my entire day just got better just remembering that film. It was so good. It was so much fun. It's like the one of the most fun movies of the year. It was like on crack. Like it was a crack fluffy fanfic. It is. It really and, is. Like the amount of the marriage fluff and like just how ridiculous that is and how so unlike the other films of that genre are just incredible like it has such like um compare especially compared to other superhero movies uh from the past like couple of years it has so much more of a chaotic energy and and just like so much off the wall like aesthetically and like rhythmically it's just so much fun and insane i love the sense of humor and it's like it's so yeah and it was like really fresh yeah it's like so refreshingly like not trashy but it's just like yeah let's just show like some it's camp, yeah, it, it, it is camp it is sort of camp really yeah i mean like if venom like showing up at the party and like uh, talking to the crowd as oh if it God. was like his coming out story or or something like it's that's that's kind of camp like a giant like um um sort of dark creature that's like um like four meters tall standing tall amongst like um like a Halloween party and like partying with everyone else it's like that's what you get that's what that's yeah I love Venom. <laughs> Yeah, but it got trashed for that, I think, like, review-wise. Uh, a lot of people gave it bad reviews because of how ridiculous and not serious at all it was. Um, well, it's kind Thankfully, of faithful to the comics, I think, from what I've, like, seen the snippets of them, that it is supposed to be that way. Thankfully, Pedro doesn't give a shit about what the reviewers say. <laughs> like, I, it, so it baffles me genuinely how... I don't know, like, comic book movies are supposed to be off the wall and, and, and just sort of colorful and fun and chaotic and, like, filled with, like, insane-looking creatures and, like, um, loud dialogue. And I don't know. I don't know why the critics didn't like Venom. It's so funny. Like, it's just a genuine... Like, even if you don't think it's very good or if you don't get, like, emotionally invested in... The character. How can you not? Like genuinely, yeah. Like how can, how can you not get invested in like the romantic couple of the year, twenty twenty one, Eddie Brock and Venom? Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> but like, even if you don't get invested in that, like a movie is funny. Like I don't, I don't know. It's so likable. I really like Venom. <laughs> I mean, after I, I watched it, yeah. No, no, no. I just wanted to say that I think that the moralization of the superhero movies where like they're trying to arrive at some i guess pastiche where it's like it's funny but at the same time it like tackles quote-unquote serious themes kind of made 
the the original very silly comic book movies such as Venom, but also you know older thinking you know thinking back to older movies such as Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. I think it's just sort of the standardized version of the superhero movie sort of made those aesthetic decisions yeah, obsolete. It really makes me sad though because, and I think, like many things, I think Christopher Nolan is to blame because <laughs> because of the Batman trilogy he made, and those are like okay, it's not my thing, but it's fine. Um, but like, mm -hmm. I think that, that entire, like in the acclaim it got sort of made everyone think, oh, superheroes are serious and they can be seen as a serious genre. Please take us seriously. It's yeah. like the whole like plight of the genre in the 2010s was like, please take us seriously. We, we tackle dramatic themes. And meanwhile, like the machine of the production behind those films is nothing but soulless. So like those pretentious just sort of fall short. Um, immediately. I mean, but at the same time, I feel like without that, you know, making them into something maybe grander and more serious, like we wouldn't also have as many because of because of this kind of mainstreamization of of the comic book genre and like you know the adaptations. Like it got mainstream, it got popular, so you know people have noticed that it's this is like a money-making cow. Um, so maybe without that, we wouldn't even have Venom. Me, uh, and that would be a very sad world. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> like trends. Trends are double-edged swords, always. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I do agree because like Venom, you know, before that, Venom was only in the first spider-man movie from the original yeah. trilogy yeah, and... and i think then the like the studios were talking about making a venom movie but because there wasn't that much money in it and you know the third spider-man movie wasn't wasn't as big of a success as the previous two it got shelved and i i do think that you know had marvel not become such a big thing sony might not have had the incentive to to make those movies and you know, I do think humanity is all the better for their existence. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's a good point. But also, I don't know. I think I feel like in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, we were in for like a good stride with um, superhero movies in general. Mm -hmm. Like the X-Men movies. I mean, they're not my favorite, but they were big. And like, especially the, spider the early Spider-Man movies of the early 2000s, those were like um, huge and they were really good and fun yeah. and colorful while being like grand spectacles and like everyone liked them um so like i don't know i also like the i like the the original fantastic four movies yeah they those were, are fun those are fun they were yeah fun. And they had justin Theroux. so like what else can i <laughs> what else can i ask for <laughs> But yeah, oh my god, is this my phone? No. Yes? It's not mine. No. It's, it's not, not mine. Phone. Oh my god, my house is haunted by a ghost that has an <laughs> your, iPhone. Your phone is being possessed by a, like a symbiote. No, not my phone. Maybe my iPad. Because it kind of like came from like behind me. And like my iPad is behind me because I'm reading a book on mm. it. <laughs> You're getting reading notifications, like, read. <laughs> read. Uh, 
But yeah. But speaking about movies, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> that was the movie of <laughs> I am the Queen of Transitions. Let's talk about today's movie, Variety. And I think Pedro should introduce in introduce it to to the people. Oh yeah. Okay. So Variety I don't know, it's not a particularly like popular movie and I guess it's a really odd choice for our podcast because you know like very um low budget independent american movies from the 80s not what we usually do here but like this is a palate <laughs> cleanser so like okay let's pick a little something a little bit more i don't know sophisticated um whatever that may mean um and you had previously uh uh like uh given me the idea of doing a asexuality based episode where we would talk about the book just we are so talking about today th- and yeah just because because i thought of the perfect title which is asexuality asexuality so true <laughs> so true um but i also think a good and i think it's sort of um topical this week i think a good title for not only alternative title for this movie but also this this podcast episode mm. would be sex in the city <laughs> like <laughs> We variety. Gonna, we gonna scam the people. We gotta scam the people into watching this. <laughs> oh yeah, watching this movie, Variety: The Unknown Sex and the City. Right, sequel. and like, uh, it, like, like um, covering Sex and the City is something we would do. So like, it's not off-brand, <laughs> but like, we would be misleading. Mm, so that's true. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, Variety. <laughs> um, like I said, it's an independent American movie from the 80s. It's set in New York, much like Sex City. <laughs> and it's directed <laughs> by uh, Ben Gordon, who did not make may that many movies. Didn't really become a household name. Um, but, like, I don't even know why I decided to watch this movie. In the first- I think it was on Mubi, and it was, like, expiring. So I randomly decided to watch this. And I was sort of blown away by it. I, I had no idea how much this would impact me and aesthetically something i already enjoy it's um like um the aesthetic i particularly enjoy with like new york from the 70s and 80s uh feels uh, i i love yeah i I, not porn (laughs) not porn (laughs) but like sort of like downtown cinema like small cinema Pedro loves porn. Pedro loves porn. That's that's what's important here. I mean, here. it's probably it's essentially my job now, which is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I kind of have to love you, it. I, no, I don't. I don't love porn. <laughs> <laughs> you, your life is kind of variety. Only not in New York and not in the. Right. It would be so much cooler if it was variety, <laughs> because like essentially in this movie, um, there's this girl Christine, who is like kind of new in New York, I would assume. And she's looking for a job in New York and make, trying to make it in the big city. And she stumbles upon this job called, uh, not called, uh, like in this, mo- in this movie theater called Variety, which is a pornographic movie theater. Um, where like those like, you know, skeezy um, downtown New York spaces in the like, late 70s, early 80s, really dirty looking. Um but also very glamorous. Uh, and, you know, people come around, middle of the day, 
and at night and go watch some porn on the big screen and she sort of takes this job it's like oh okay it's kind of just a job but i'm doing this it's fine it's chill um but then she the plot sort of revolves her around her being consumed and fascinated increasingly fascinated by this culture surrounding this theater and uh, the culture of sex in general, I guess, of people around her. And she sort of becomes obsessed with it and leads her towards some like dark psychological paths. And that's kind of uh, what um, this movie is concerned with. And like uh, off the bat, mm-hmm. like the first half when I was first watching this, I was like, this looks so cool. I love the film photography. I love the aesthetic. But also mid on the midpoint, I was sort of like, this has an like an outlook on sex and like sexual culture uh, in American society that I never expected from a movie from the early '80s. And I was like, why am I kind of relating to her in a certain way? Because I don't know, like I'm not fascinated by pornography. I don't watch pornography, but I mean that's a oh, lie. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, I have to watch pornography, <laughs> but I don't do it on my spare time, is what I wanted to say. Um, sure, sure. But uh, I, I I am an asexual person, and I don't experience sexual attraction to people. But I do enjoy learning about sex and how people um, uh, live around it and react to it and their relationships with sex, different sexualities... And stuff. I'm. I. I love reading and and uh, listening to people talk about that. And the way she, this movie portrays uh, this character and her like, sort of being fascinated by sex. I. I. I guess the intended reading would be about her. With who? And by the way, she is like a very. Uh, she's not conservative looking, but she is like. People tell her like she's kind of prudish for this type of job in early on in the movie. So she's not the type of person that would be, like, so outwardly, like, sexual, I would assume. But um, she sort of gets consumed by it. And, like, the way she gets sort of involved in the sexual culture is very voyeuristic. Um, And, like, she keeps reciting, like... Um, sort of smut porn to her supposed boyfriend who we never actually see her having sex with Um, she sort of like spies on the people watching the movies she goes on these like like um, sort of shady dates with this man that comes around in the theater and is trying to pick her up but she's not really into that but um, she like sort, sort of follows him around and see what he does and like Basically, her, like, um, becoming consumed by and, like, obsessed with watching other people and how they interact with sex in their daily lives. And her sort of, like, trying to rationalize and comprehend what that is. And I sort of related to that in a bit, in a certain way. Yeah, like, to me, to me, she felt very, like, intrigued by the aesthetic mm-hmm. of sex rather the experience of sex if that makes sense like i think the the most pleasure you see her um sort of engaging in is when she just dresses up very sexily just for herself but she never you know moves on to masturbate or 
engage in any sexual activity. She just like sort of admires her own sexualized mm-hmm. appearance in the mirror, and that's it. And that's why I feel like also like I did enjoy watching the movie as I was watching it because I love the photography. But I think the more I sat with it, the the very distant nature of uh, of the narrative kind of started to bother me so i just wanted to let you know like it has nothing to do with my reading but like i just wanted to let you know for some reason um but yeah no i feel like she's just fascinated by this like this aesthetic of sex and sexualization rather than um like discovering any new desire within herself at least that's my reading yeah it's she sort of um it's it's weird because when i read the synopsis i was expecting like oh okay she's just kind of sort of about like sexual liberation and and she's sort of um, I, I guess in, a, in in a certain way ties into like a chapter in the book that we also gonna cover in this podcast. But like um, I thought it was gonna be about like this woman discovering like you know her sexuality and like becoming liberated by her sexuality. But it really isn't that. And it's much more depressive. Uh, like by the end, like this woman Christine is just kind of broken buy it and she's got like kind of um a point in 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 her obsession where it's kind of like a point of no return and she's sort of like feels empty inside and i guess the intended reading at first was sort of like oh people are like the the entire culture she's surrounded by as she takes on this new job is so outwardly sexual and I, i love these shots where you see her walking around the city and all the back in the background is just sort of like like broad daylight middle of the city just like naked models and like um pornography hotline ha- ads and everything and sort of um and i yeah I, I thought the movie would be about her like liberating herself through sex but like and and i i sort of didn't expect really to relate to her how she um ends up sort of feeling empty and detached while sort of obsessed with knowing about what this sexual culture is all about and i guess it it speaks to a point about how pressure maybe uh a certain pressure to sexualize yourself in a really sexual society makes you empty and makes you sort of um depersonalizing it's kind of the per- depersonalizing or dehumanizing uh, or even sort of demeaning um which is kind of i think what the point is um of 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 the movie by the end where she sort of like she ignores her mom's call she ignores her boyfriend she ignores her friends and she brings like she becomes consumed by this crusade to like follow these men and follow these people around uh, who are involved in sex in a very voyeuristic manner and uh i just had this like personal asexual reading of it i don't know if she is asexual but i think um i don't know if it's the case of of you too but like i think there is something in this movie that could speak to a certain kind of asexual experience um well i kind of like, I kind of got the opposite impression when it comes to the 
dehumanization and distance and dissociation aspect of it because throughout the whole film um like the feeling of detachment from what was going on like this weird boundary between the world outside of her and her was very overwhelming it it was something that i felt like a heavy feeling of being you know kind of outside like beside myself and at the end i don't know maybe i just couldn't focus too well on the film but i did not get the feeling that she was broken quite the opposite it felt like she embraced the fantasy because most of all i feel like this film was about the female fantasy um especially i don't know it was i think the second meeting with a guy what was his name louis mm-hmm. louis whatever uh and i was like wait, What's it, wait is it like a weird like kinky mafia slash you know werewolf whatever the 40 year old ladies are reading now kind of a um novelly thingy and then like it felt like she really was interested in well first of all having his attention and craving his attention because I feel like her relationship with her boyfriend was very unfulfilling. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just I I, 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 mean, I could not was... even see them as boyfriend boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, I, I... I mean, she was reciting smut <laughs> to him, and he was like playing. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, but that but that scene was like it was um, it was something. Like um, I really liked how it was shot. How she was like, yeah. you know, saying all this stuff, and previously she also like told him about a film I think that she saw there, uh, and he got really upset, but here he was actually, you could see him trying not to listen maybe, or listening very attentively, it it was a very nice dynamic-y thing, and I also think that Mm -hmm. this is like what she uh, might have been chasing, this weird dynamic, like this kind of thrilling, dangerous, and maybe inappropriate thing, so the seediness maybe of of the theater as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So do you guys think that Variety is a sexual awakening movie or kink awakening movie? Oh, interesting. Because you both talk about kink. Kink. Definitely kink. Um, Yeah. Because I I don't know. I don't know if it's like a very like personal and minority reading because I honestly haven't read that many reactions to this movie, both from the time and from today and i guess i really am interested in seeing that but to me like the 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 ending um really got really gave me the feeling that she by the end she was just sort of yes she was uh, like it is a kink awakening movie like she becomes just fascinated by 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 sex and like by watching people be engaged in this culture but um i think she feels um She's left her past self in, like, in the like whatever innocence she had was left in the past, and there's the, this point of no return where she's just like gone so deep into this uh, rabbit hole that she's just like, okay, this is this is who I am now. I'm gonna call a stranger. I'm gonna meet them in middle of the night and sort of. I love the, how the movie sort of ends like that on sort of like a cliffhanger uh, but I, I really found a melon type of melancholy in that ending and in her character like how lethargic she is and how sort of like detached she acts because um, she was not like that in the beginning of the movie she was more much more like vivacious and like 
social. Um, but I guess it's like something clicks in her brain by when she starts working in theater that's like, oh, this fascinates me and I'm gonna like, sort of, I am willing to lose myself to sort of um, find out what may, really about this makes me tick. Um, yeah. Do you still stand by the asexual reading of, of her? I don't, like I said, I don't know if she is asexual. I don't, like, in the, f yeah. I know, it's just like, I'm just asking whether you still, in your personal interpretation uh, of the film, do you f still think that she's asexual or, on you know, generally on the asexual spectrum? I think maybe on the general spectrum, because th that's the interesting like part especially in the american movie from the 80s where it was like you know erotic thrillers were all the rolled all, all the rage we never see her actually engage in a sexual act or like want to engage in a sexual act she just watches and is sort of like uh very clinically um and even when she's like reciting like that smut porn passage to her boyfriend, I love that scene. It's so funny. Just she's doing so in a very like uh, stone faced manner, and she's not with the never with the purpose to actually like entice her boyfriend. Not that there was like probably any like sexual spark or like rom even romantic spark between the two uh, from the first place. But like oh, but I but I think it was kind of. I feel like I didn't read her as stone faced there, but like very eager to see any kind of reaction from him. I feel like that was kind of also the the point of it. I don't know, but like some parts of her certainly like the the scene um, at the I don't know. I think it was a part of the theater with all the magazines and stuff. Like where there were yeah, all the yeah. men like reading the porn like magazines or like looking at the pictures. I, yeah, I think or maybe it was like a shop close to yeah. the to the theater or something. But yeah, I remember the scene. Yeah, like I, I find it interesting comparing how like she tried looking at some of the stuff there, but like it I I didn't see her like you know having a similar reaction of being really interested. But when she like stole the magazine from the the guy's bag in the motel that she because she broke into the guy's motel room, which was just okay. <laughs> and stole his porn magazine and but like that magazine suddenly was doing something for her it seemed very important so i think like once again it's not about sex it's not about nudity it's about something else that's going on in there yeah i think that's the difference when you talk about you know asexual kink uh, community and sexual kink uh, allosexual kink mm -hmm. community is that like i think for ace people that you know have kinks and engage in um, in that culture, I think it's never really about the sexual gratification, but a gift from Zoom, what the fuck? Wait, what? Oh, running out of time, we removed the 14 minute time limit on your group mate. Love it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Bye. Um, <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Yeah, and I think for like, you know, I, I mean, I, I personally don't engage with that community, but like from what I've read and for what I've like other people have told me it's like it's much more about the dynamic and this like role play and this game of back and forth rather than any sexual gratification and it's that much heightened for people that don't actually you know experience sexual attraction and so i think in that scene the, that we 
we are coming back to for the sixth time in the first 30 minutes of this podcast when she's like reciting this math to her boyfriend. I really do think that she's testing the waters whether he will engage in this dynamic mm. with her. And he's, you know, whether he's giving her space or whether he's, you know, he's not interacting with her in any way. And I think that's what ultimately disappoints her is that he will not engage with her in this dynamic in any way. And I think with the porn magazine, it's the same. It's not the thing itself that excites her, it's the dynamic around it. No, that that definitely makes sense. I I sort of agree. Yeah. Um, And I guess I maintain my position that like she's not actively interested in pursuing like sexual contact with anyone she just really is interested in like you said like the dynamic it would bring and sort of like observing that that dynamic play out in real life and yeah um yeah and i think because also the problem with the word asexual uh, at least in my experience is that a lot of people think of it as meaning not uh, manifesting any sex yeah. appeal you know that like a person is asexual meaning that um, they don't have any sex appeal and I think um, with her it's like she's interested in manifesting sexuality without experience like sexuality in a sense like of sexual aesthetic of like playing into the dynamics of those of the aesthetic of those relationships without actually uh, engaging in the act yeah. which to me is the the definition of a lot of people on the asexual yeah. spectrum is that for like <clears throat> one reason or another they're interested in performing those dynamics but they're not actually interested in the act itself or they're not maybe not interested but like they're not attracted to the act itself to they just don't experience that part of mm-hmm. the game but that doesn't mean that they're not interested mm-hmm. in the game itself mm-hmm. yeah i know I, I definitely agree by the way did you finish the book no i did yet? finish the book i was uh i've been listening to it on oh. um on audible because i had like a free credit so i listened to the audio book mm-hmm. so i've been listening to it a lot and yeah by the way we're mm-hmm. also covering a book on this episode yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, shout out to Agatha who bought me this book as my birthday present and that's how we found out about it. So uh, the book is called Ace, What Asexuality Reveals About Desire, Society and the Meaning of Sex. And it's written by Angela Chen, a proud ace lady. And it's, um, it's a non-fiction, it's mostly academic work on asexuality and how different factors influence both our society's understanding of asexuality, but as well how it infringes on personal identity of asexual Mm -hmm. people and how they relate to sex and how they feel they should relate to sex. Mm -hmm. It's very good. I really recommend it. It's a great read. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, it was so complete. I was just so pleasantly, not surprised because I was expecting to enjoy it and I really wanted to read it. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, it was just a... It was just very refreshing and like certain things that she was saying because it's not i know it's an asexual person writing a book about asexuality and what it you know um its existence means to like the role of sex in society and romantic relationships and all that um because it's an asexual person writing it like certain passages are like oh i've definitely had this thought process before or like that internal monologue before to myself I have always, you know, like, I, like, 
is is this an asexual thing? Is this a universal thing? I don't know. Um, but like listening to this book, and I, I I didn't read it. I listened to the audiobook version. Like being those words being like spoken out loud, I was like, oh, this this yeah, this feels nice. Not not validation, but it's like. It, it felt it was a warm feeling uh, plus it was very intellectually stimulating the way it analyzes the role of sex in society and it, it was written um, I don't know if it was like last year like published last year like two years ago but like very up-to-date references on today's culture and how today's culture interacts with sex and it's like it was just such a complete and fulfilling read uh, in my opinion yeah Roxy yeah. what did you think yeah I haven't read it. Oh, I've right. Read Sorry. It was a deep prologue. Oh, no, it's fine. Sorry, I forgot you had said that. Yeah, I think I've read the author's note or prologue. What was it, Marcy? Mm-hmm. You, you, you had it. Me was read prologue. It was prologue. Yeah, the prologue that yeah. when she, uh, when she, like, when she talks with the, her friend in the in the restaurant, it's like, what is sexual attraction? And it's, yeah, that was the prologue. Yeah, and I, I think that, like, I will probably read it because, like, it appears to be kind of a Bible uh, for ace people. But I feel like all, like, every single person on the ace spectrum can relate with this, you know, like, unquenchable thirst for knowing what the fuck is sexual attraction. Right. Or, like, yeah. how do allosexual people experience that? Because it, it is just so bizarre to, to like, try to understand it's yeah. and also it makes the def- like identifying as asexual so much more difficult mm-hmm. because how you define something by the absence of something else yeah because that's the there's definition a, mm-hmm. yeah there's a whole chapter in the book called um definition through uh, negation and like that that's exactly the problem because like if you also like that's the problem with definition because like if you define asexuality through the lack of something then you also it's very easy then to make it feel like it's abnormal or if like there's a lack because of something because of you know all the different things that a lot of people think cause asexuality like child abuse or disability or mental illness and it's just yeah and also like you have the problem of com- uh, compulsory sexuality, mm-hmm. right? This idea that every single person is sexual. And, like, the biggest problem for me is that, like, for a very long time, I didn't think that was asexual because, like, I didn't think that my experience was out of the norm. I thought that, you know, because, I, you know, I am asexual, I've never experienced sexual attraction. So I thought that, like, that it was a hoax. It was something, like, created for the movies the way, I don't know, like, there was, like, smack, you know, like, all the different, like, uh, unrealistic tropes in the movies exist. But then you reach a certain point in your late adolescence mm-hmm. when you realize that, no, the switch has switched for yeah. a lot of people and your experience is out of norm. And then, you know, because there's also so little education if you don't have access to Tumblr... <laughs> <laughs> as yeah. as I found out about asexuality, even yeah. like the existence Same. of it, then you will just be thinking. That <laughs> I think that's like a very common like <laughs> ace experience, especially of our generation, to just like finding out through Tumblr. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Then I, you know, I would just would think that there's something wrong with me because I'm not experienced 
I'm not experiencing something that everyone else is experiencing but at the same time once I you know I I, I found on tumblr the the, the word the definition uh, and I started telling people it was also very hard for me to explain to them what it feels like to be me and to be attracted to people just in a different way in a aesthetic and a romantic way and because I I don't know what they feel that's why I don't know how to explain them what it is not to feel it essentially yeah, uh, I I love that pa- that part in the book, and you mentioned to a lot of like um, you referenced the book and uh, what you said. Like, um, I, I, I and yeah, I really agree with the term um, and enjoyed like hearing about the term compulsory sexuality. It's like compulsory compulsory heteronormativity, um, and also. Yeah, I really relate to that, like, it, it really, to that comparison to, like, a light switch that never gets turned on. I mean, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, I really didn't mean that. I really didn't mean that. <laughs> um, it's like, no, it's, it's, like a, it's like a click that never actually happens. And, like, it really isn't, like, late adolescence. And when you realize, and, like, you grow up in the society where compulsory sexuality is a thing and people talk about oh this person is hot this person is attractive and like okay i've always registered that you know oh yeah that person is hot then i agree but like i never really like up to like i was like i don't know 15 16 17 i was like that really like sort of guy internalized that like the way i find people hot are not and it's not the same as like allow people find people hot there's not there's like like when people okay but do you actually believe because i still cannot believe that their experience of finding people hot is that much different i mean you have to you have to remember that like allow people can be attracted to people they find ugly yeah kind of right no no because like when i think that was like an important thing (laughs) for me to like realize because like i do not think that someone that is ugly can be like ugly to me that i mean like i don't that 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 i can find them attractive no like if they're ugly to me then they're not attractive to me that's like for me for a very long time it was the same thing and then i read this book and she makes a point that like she was also confused how like allow people can find someone ugly and still be attracted to them and i was like oh my god that makes yeah. sense now you know like yeah because i i think oh. at least in in my experience <laughs> i can't speak for all for you and for all asexual people but like in my experience it's like it's mostly just when i find a person attractive it's like aesthetic it's like vibe like the, this like the vibe they give yeah off. and like also just you know it, like their actual physical features like aesthetically like wow that person seems cool or looks really good or looks but I, I, I think as I, like, grew up, I was like, no, people, like, when they are attracted to someone and want to have, like, it means that, and want to have sex with them, it means that, like, it's something, like, it's not, it goes beyond that. It's, like, an, a, like a physical pull that drives to them, like, a, like makes people want to, you know, like, t- really touch each other very intimately. And, like, it's, like, I, I yeah. just don't experience it. I was like, oh, okay. And then I really did like that sort of light switch moment. It's like when also like my friends and people around me, around me, like of my own age started, you know, like engaging in sex and like having sex, uh, talking to me and others about wanting to have sex with other people. I was just like, okay. I mean, I guess that would, ha- I always assumed, oh, I guess that would happen sometime. But like, I never, I've never thought of it. And it's like, 
you're like 16 years old you've gone through puberty and you've never actually felt those feelings of like actually want craving that and like nah not really so that was like another big light switch moment and um seeing that being um hearing that in the book uh was sort of like yeah th th this is this is a very good definition of what like ace attraction is as compared to what allo people how people hallo people feel um attraction and it's like yeah this book is like right off the bat it's very much in the beginning like making some points yeah this is yeah but at the same time i think that it is important to stress right now that um, because of how unexplored really asexuality is and how you know little representation there is of asexuality um there are many very different ways to be asexual mm -hmm. and yeah. some mm -hmm. people are very very sex positive and have very high libido and so they might feel that urge to to engage in sexual activities just not with particular people i guess that's how yeah. i understand it mm -hmm. um so it's it's also difficult to really talk about our asexual uh, experience because at least i feel some kind of a responsibility to talk about it you know in a very thorough way but that's not really possible because not many yeah. people speak about being asexual now and not many people probably realize they might fall on the spectrum mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think also, and it's the same case with any sexual minorities, is that like you have this urge to be a golden story sexual. So like, because otherwise people, because of compu compulsory sexuality, and in this case compulsory allosexuality, if you don't check every single box for your sexuality, your sexuality will be questioned. Mm -hmm. For example, it happens a lot to demisexual people, right? That yeah. they just, oh, you just, oh, I'm also demisexual. I'm so like waiting for the one or whatever. And so like, I think there is, I mean, at least in my case, I do have this like this internalized pressure to have to check every single box. Otherwise my identity will not be respected. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why I think, especially when you have those people at the asexual spectrum that lean a bit closer to performing compulsory sexuality because they do engage in sexual activities they are sexually positive and you know they do enjoy it because there is also the difference of sexual attraction and mm -hmm. sexual activity yeah. the same way a, a gay person can still you know enjoy a sexual activity with a uh, with a different sex partner that doesn't mean that they necessarily are sexually attracted to them because those are two different things and but at the same time, I, I mean, there is this pressure that, like, you have to, even though we all know, I mean, w the three of us, <laughs> we know that asexuality is a spectrum as any sexual orientation, and it's more fluid and more nuanced than, you know, a, a clear definition on a Tumblr <laughs> post <laughs> might suggest. <laughs> but at the same time, I at least, like, I feel like I need to, like, protect this, like, very rigid definition of myself because otherwise my my otherness will just be completely erased mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i've had um, um a similar i think that as a person who who has um experience with mental illness and and trauma mm -hmm. so in my case like you i think you started the the topic of being ace with that that many people assume mm -hmm. it comes from child abuse or or mental illness or whatever so mm -hmm. in my case it's always the the fear that 
people will think that my sexuality is not valid because it might have resulted from, you know, some past mm-hmm. experiences. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of like you want to be the best asexual person that there is. You want to fight for the um, recognition that aceness, um, you know, deserves. But you cannot really uh, rise to these expectations because you're you're human and, you know, it's a very individual thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And um, uh, I think it's important to mention that the author of this book, was and I think is a bestie. Yes, the bestie. She a bestie. is a bestie, <laughs> and um, she seems great. But, but like, it's important to mention that so, like she is involved and was involved and like sort of narrates that in the book that she was involved in uh, relationships where she had sex. Um, and there's this really like right in the beginning, I th- and I think to make sort of like people as a whole, not just asexual people, like. Uh, letting them know that there is no one way of being asexual. It doesn't mean that, like, you renounce all sexuality from yourself, from your experience. Um, like, she had a friend who was a virgin, um, but, like, uh, wanted and craved um, sexual contact and had sexual attraction to other people. And... Meanwhile, her, who was in a stable relationship and had sex with her partner, like, was slowly unraveling that she didn't really crave that in the same manner as her friend. So it's, like, really, um, sort of, like, debunking this myth of, like, the golden star asexual, as uh, Angela Chen Mm -hmm. refers to in the book, like, straight off the bat, I thought that like I I knew that because I've been in, you know involved in the internet, like and like reading about asexuality. It's like oh okay, like this is a whole spectrum. It's like, but no, I I found it really like I think enlightening for m- many others that might stumble upon this book. It's like oh okay, so it's like really refreshing to refer to ref- like referring to asexuality as the sort of like spectrum and um, encompassing like sort of. multiple experiences that are sometimes very different from each other um i also love how this book talks about romantic relationships um and how um like they are viewed in society and how they do relate to sexuality and yeah uh like yeah yeah we were talking about uh, with Roxy, I think, a week ago or something. We were essentially yeah. ranting <laughs> that, that what's like really sucks about um, that within our culture, like romantic relationships are seen, especially like you know those traditional mo- uh, monogamous relationships are seen as somewhat higher than friendships. Yeah. When you whether you're allosexual or asexual when you choose to you know be a single person when you choose not to be in a romantic partnership then you kind of are at a disadvantage because like what even if you have like a very strong support system and you have a lot of you know beautiful complex and very strong friendships you never have like this one person to whom you'll be like absolute priority in every single thing Mm -hmm. The like that designated person to whine to essentially you, you don't have that because like friendships are much more like c- 
communal relationships where like you understand that those people that you're friends with and that you you know you care about and you reach out to it when when times are hard for you they still have like entire communities that also rely on them right so like i don't think you could i mean at least i don't feel as entitled to their exclusive time and their exclusive just energy you know energy for intimacy and for support and i think one of the biggest perks of romantic relationships within the um within the framework of our society is that you have that designated person to whine to that designated person that will make space for you that like you know will um put you first uh because that's kind of part of the uh the 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 societal contract i guess you enter into when you enter into romantic partnership Mm -hmm. yeah and even though the world is is learning about platonic relationships uh which is a cool thing i feel like we can all agree that most likely a platonic relationship between uh, two people will never be you know treated with the same respect regard and you know seen as something just as valuable as a romantic relationship in our society or even like legal protection yeah yeah Yeah. or like all the, the the privileges that for example spouses get I mean, they get lower taxes, for God's sake. I mean, you could get married, uh, well, not to the person of the same sex in Poland as these, but yeah. you could get married to someone you're in a platonic relationship with. Yeah. But, uh. but you know what I mean? It's like, it's about the principle. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, because like, that's... And also another... No, no, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> another thing that um, is, I think kind of pressing is kind of painful maybe or frustrating is how people view um, being single as some kind of a disadvantage as a flaw mm. I guess you know like uh, I guess that it is very common for people to say oh I'm sorry you're single oh you'll find the one or you know you'll, yeah. you'll start a family one day like maybe maybe we just don't want that <laughs> or it's like or it's seen as a if it's seen positively it's in like it's seen like as an in-between state oh like you now have some time to find yourself like but like oh, with yeah. the implication that the the end goal is still a romantic partnership with someone mm-hmm. yeah but also i i love how the book um brings to light sort of like the sort of very murky very fluid definitions of what a platonic relationship is, what a romantic relationship is, and the role that sexual, like the existence or non-existence of sexual attraction within that relationship has. And it's like, what does define a romantic relationship is a question that I've sort of um, struggled with for a long time as like, as an asexual person who doesn't exactly know if they're a romantic or not, I probably am non-aromantic alloromantic is that a word i think it's alloromantic yeah yeah yeah, the 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 prefixes are the same Mm -hmm. um but sort of i've wondered about that like okay i know for non-asexual people like oh the 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 romantic relationship is sort of just like a bestie you want to be like in a monogamous case like mutually exclusive with and also really want to have sex with it's like but i don't really relate to that 
in the type of relation romantic relationship I want. So what is it? Is it just like a privileged friendship and like closeness and like um recently I've sort of like um sort of like defined not that they do need to be defined by like very boxed in labels but like sort of making making some sort of distinction between what what is a romantic relationship and what is a friendship and I've made my own sort of uh thought process um mm. on that but also I loved how the book um brought that distinctions to those distinctions to light and that uh for asexual people it it is it can be very confusing and what mm. do you actually want with a person do you want to be their romantic partner do you want a platonic relationship and yeah um what are your thoughts on that I actually wanted to ask Roxy, since she's the only person here who has been in a romantic relationship, whether you felt differently about Robert <laughs> than you feel about me, for example, or whether... Oh, we're even calling names. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, Name I'm not... calling. <laughs> no, it's I can edit. I can edit this. I can bleep out if, if it's... Oh, yeah, Okay, okay, do. no problem, no problem. I'm I so sorry, I'm so sorry, no, I'm so like, sorry. I want to be the golden star asexual. I've never <laughs> been in a relationship, okay? No, but um, I was just thinking about it because um, I think that I'm really confused by that as well mm-hmm. because, um, like, there's certainly at the first, at the beginning of me getting to know the one who shall not be named... <laughs> There was like an excitement different to, to to the one I get when I meet you know just people in general. Although lately I, I I realize that you know when I meet anyone new I do get that high of really wanting to get to know that person and I feel like um, because I've actually started identifying as ace when I was in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so before that I was basically I, I feel like. I thought that maybe this whole, you know, sexuality and relationship stuff was a hoax. And, you know, like, this is how it was supposed to feel. You know, like, maybe I just make myself want these, you know, romantic slash sexual things with people. And that's how everyone Mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. And so I I wasn't really, you know, I don't think I had the tools to maybe make that distinction. Um, But basically, the the whole feeling about that relationship was really someone that was a bestie pretty much Mm. um and that exclusivity that you talked about was probably the most important aspect of that having that one person that you felt safe with uh and and you know could take care of and have take care of you which i do think that you can have with friends as well Mm. but I'm starting to think that maybe the distinction between romantic attraction and platonic attraction or like just bestie relationships is in the chemicals. It is a mm. like kind of a euphoric feeling. So like, for example, when I see someone that I'm aesthetically attracted to and maybe romantically attracted to, that could be the case, I don't know. Um, it, it is this like feeling of kind of a joy and excitement at the sight of them which i you know don't really feel that much when in the context of just friends yeah Mm. Yeah. but 
it's still that the definitions and the differences are so like blurry it's very difficult even when you are living that experience of being ace possibly a romantic or rather romantic who knows mm. even for yourself it's very difficult to to know what it is you're feeling or not feeling yeah i like i think also a part of the confusion is that I mean, this is my theory and like people can come at me whatever i think the majority of allosexual people don't actually experience romantic attraction they just find a good friend that they're sexually attracted to and they like they generally enjoy their company and they want to like do things with their genitals and i think because romantic attraction and sexual attractions are just so you know uh, tied together in our culture. I don't think any, like all sexual people have to actually question what like, specifically romantic attraction, like pure romantic attraction would feel like. And that's my theory for a lot of relationships. That I think that they're just like besties that like to bonk. But again, you know, I'm not part of those relationships. I, I'm not in those people's heads. I will not speak uh, to their personal experience because I, the same way that they can't speak to mine. But I guess to me, like, my idea of romantic attraction is just like this. I think I've told you this before, Roxy, but essentially I just, to me, romantic attraction is just finding a person, a bestie, but, like, that you just, you start talking to them and you never want to finish, like, you never want that conversation to finish. You know, like, that there is this constant interest in their opinions and who they are, how they think, and just Mm -hmm. this constant want to be close, not specifically physically but like spiritually in the sense that like you you just want them to be around in your life and you want to know what they think and how they Mm -hmm. see things and I think with friends you know I think any person that you meet at first if you click with them you get that high of like wanting to understand them but I think with friends after a period of time that that kind of cools off because you just you because it's, I think platonic attraction is just less intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's just the, the distinction that I would make. It's just that romantic attraction to me would stay intense for like a longer period of time. Whereas platonic like attraction kind of varies after it becomes more established relationship. Mm-hmm. I guess in like a romantic relationship, I think the key word would be sort of infatuation, that sort of constant high you feel by being around a person or like hearing about a per- certain person. Uh, and I guess in a lo- in a healthy um, sort of lasting r- romantic relationship, I think that sort of feeling of infatuation um, is kind of sustain- more sustained than in the friendship. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think really think the key word here could be just infatuation, the feeling of like uh, a high, like just a drive to just be around that person and wanting to know more about how they feel. And like you said, Marcy, like a conversation that like you wish would never end, like a constant conversation that you wish would just never like cease and like wanting to be with that person most yeah, of and your I do, time you want to be with people i guess yeah and i do agree with roxy that i think to a certain degree it's purely chemical but at the mm-hmm. same time i do think it's also like i do think like romantic attraction like true romantic attraction is rare because you just have to find a person that you just click so much that like yeah. it sustains this interest yeah. it's wild. and that's what and that's why i think a lot of other people are just 
bonking their best friends. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know, this might be controversial, Ooh. I don't know, I hope I don't offend any other people. <laughs> but from my surroundings, uh, I don't feel like the majority of relationships of other people is really, like, I don't feel like they are friends mm. with their partners. Oh, like, I don't know, my experience is that so many other people are just so annoyed with their partners. Oh, that's and true. Just, right? You know, it's... Yeah. That's true. That, I mean, it, I was, it, like, talking about, like... The healthy relationships that I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, too, yeah, too. the healthy, the rare <laughs> relationships, sure. But mostly in our culture, I feel like it's it's purely instinctual. Like, the, I feel like the sexual attraction is the first drive. And then, you know, if they prove to be, you know, somewhat interesting, somewhat fun to get along with, yeah, that's fine. That's the mate I'm going to stuck with for some time. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, I feel like it's rare for people to be friends with their partners nowadays. No, I know, I agree. Like, there's so many, like... It's like it's so ingrained in our culture as well to like not like your partner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not like them as a person. Like that it's normal to I don't know despise their choices and stuff like that. To not want to hang out with them. I like especially like established romantic, especially had says established romantic relationships are in so many movies and in so many like cultural. I get cultural knowledge. I guess is just so. Yes, I put up with this person because we have sex, or we used to have sex, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's something that always bothered me, like seeing people refer yeah. to their partners like, "Oh, we bicker all the time," but you know, it's my person. It's like, ah, that does not seem fulfilling. That seems exhausting, really. I mean, you can bicker with them all the time. Mm, yeah, okay. I, I feel like that, that's a healthy thing. Yeah. But there is something... I don't know. There's just this weird... I mean, this whole thing, like, last night of freedom about, like, bachelor parties yeah, and stuff like oh. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And, like... <laughs> oh, like, oh, um, I need to have, like, a boy's night. Or, like, I need a girl's yeah, night. Exactly. Because I can't really talk with my partner about those things. And it's like... Unless you're in a hat cis relationship and you want to talk specifically about like what you do to like lower, for example, your period pains or like what you that you're afraid of like prostate cancer and how did you check your balls? Like I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be able to talk to your chosen partner about anything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I feel like that that whole stereotype particularly happens in like cis hat and sort of. Um, like middle to upper class conservative people marriages i guess it's just like a reality that i'm wholeheartedly just not really interested in but you know what yeah does annoy me even like in more queer spaces is that like i found it and i'm i'm not sure if that's true for you guys as well but like when i have a very close friend and then they uh enter a romantic relationship like i'm put on the back burner and like it used to like because like all of the emotional fulfillment that this person used to get from our relationship she now gets from her or their from their romantic relationship right and like i and that like that comes from comp- uh, compulsory sexuality and that like i find a close board and that i find very annoying that like there's very little i guess regard because we put the romantic relationships on the pedestal, even if they're not actually good relationship, they still people still invest way more time and energy, even if they're way less fulfilling. 
In my case, unfortunately, I have to admit my sins. Um, <laughs> so w- when I entered, I first entered the relationship, I was unfortunately the one that put my friends on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like in my case, at first, it was certainly, you know, just the high, mm-hmm. you know, just being so f- fixated on the person because they give you so much excitement that you don't really even have the time to think about others, which is not a very good thing. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of bound to forgive my friends when they enter a relationship mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks or months. I mean, like, I understand the cu- first couple of weeks because I understand the high, I understand that it's new, that it's exciting and that, you know, I'm not saying this like from like a bitter place. Like, I, under- yeah, I yeah. understand where they're coming from and I understand that, you know, relationship within a romantic relationship is just, it requires much more energy from you to sustain. So, like, I understand that those people have less time, less energy to also sustain their friendship, especially at like at the first stages of the romantic relationship. I just, I wish there was more empathy towards yeah. being in that position because what usually happens is that like, oh, it will happen to you one day as well. And that's not necessarily oh. what I want to hear. I want to hear, I'm sorry, I this and this happened and I shouldn't have made you feel that way. Yeah. Mm. And I also think there should be a lesser like societal agreement to the sort of situation happening because I think a lot of people yeah. don't think that they're hurting their friends because it's just so normalized to yeah, you I know abandon friendships a bit after you enter a romantic relationship. Yeah, I think that's um, mostly just like not in a case by case basis or just like strictly mm. defined to um, cis heterosexual or queer space. I guess it's just more of a an emphasis on relationships and not necessarily just romantic relationships uh, of an emphasis that society has on prioritizing relationships where you do have sex where sex is mm-hmm. involved i guess um i guess that or should or is perceived as it should be yeah yeah, yeah. exactly exactly yeah. um yeah yeah um and yeah, yeah it, it, <laughs> sorry nearly dropped my mic <laughs> Um, mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot what I was gonna. What I was gonna say, but yeah, like sort of. A, uh, I think that really comes from a place, and I don't even is that really comes from a place of like wanting to neglect friends in favor of um, a romantic relationship. Obviously, part of that is like as you guys said, like chemical, and like you feel that high of being with a person all the time, and in. Um, allosexual cases you really crave want crave to have that sexual intimacy with your partner um, and I guess it sort of like leads a person to maybe just be more um, involved in that but or maybe just like maybe that just if, if we're talking about people that aren't asexual and want to engage in sexual uh, feelings maybe it's just a, a personal issue of just like really like um um what can i say what, what do i want to say here like putting value in your the sexual part of your relationships as opposed to just the platonic or just romantic parts of your relationship i guess it's just like i don't know like this sort of three-way interconnected um like weaving of like human relationship between like sexual relationships romantic relationships platonic relationships it's just so blurry like we've said and yeah i guess and it's I just think a, it a, also a, yeah 
Like, no, I go think on, it go. also, I think it also comes from the fact that we tied sexual feelings with maturity, and so mm, yeah. you know because you're capable of having platonic feelings or even romantic feelings before your quote unquote sexual awakening during puberty, like there is this. I think there is this like so societal value, value, valuing. Is this the correct vowel? Valuation. Yes, valuation <laughs> of. I don't know. I'm making that. <laughs> like I think there is like sexual feelings are seen as higher and more mature because they're supposed to be only experienced by adults or young adults or people that come into adulthood i mean so many coming of age stories are essentially stories of sexual awakening right Mm -hmm. and and i do think that because of that like maybe that's why we think for example friendships are also less important or like less deep or less uh, just like should require less time and energy from us because we think that they're a bit infantilizing maybe because of that fact because we think sexuality means maturity you know yeah but also like i I don't know i'm I'm thinking that in even in like cartoons and like animated films for children and in various cultures i think well certainly in the american kind of dream-ish culture and our polish culture you know the uh the white picket fence house the spouse and the children are kind of enforced as the goal like Mm -hmm. how many disney films for example which well i think we've all grew up with i I Mm -hmm. think that that's a universal experience like how many of them are there which do not uh portray a you know romantic relationship as basically a key point of the plot i think the newer ones certainly there's frozen and there's, i think um, the oldest one uh, moana i mean you, i mean you have the um what's the uh, the one with the good music uh it's fantasia or yeah fantasia um, was it fantasia yeah that's just the weird one <laughs> It's a weird one, like the the one about acid trip, essentially. <laughs> it's a fever dream, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think like the all this one is brave. That's the first one where like there's no romantic subplot, and you know, I, I just it it just come all comes down to compuls- compulsory sexuality. I mean, like how many times you have like I don't know five year old children. Right, and, like, some older relative is asking, like, oh, so do you have a boyfriend already or, like, girlfriend or, like, who do you like? Like, like for so long of my life, I, like, went socializing with my peers. I was always asked, like, who who do you have a crush on? Who do you have a crush on? And now I have, like, internalized this mechanism that I have to have a crush on. So, like, when I enter a new societal environment, like, a new school a new group of friends, a new workplace, whatever, I have, like, this... I do this, like, mental calculation, okay? Which of the available options do I like the most? (laughs) And, like, I will decide to have a crush on them. And it's just, like... And it's not because I'm actually, I don't know, attracted to them or actually, like, have any feelings for them, but it's just I've been conditioned to want to have a crush on someone to have a crush on someone not even want to have a crush on someone because it's seen as a normal part of the experience also i have to 
let my cat in, so I will be gone for a second. <laughs> but since we're on the topic of the childhood boyfriend-girlfriend crush thingy, can we talk about how um, abusive relationships start being rom- normalized when we are children? So, like, for example, I don't know, in Poland at least, um, it, it's about, like, you know, boys being rude to girls and the older people will be like, oh, he does that because he likes you. Boys will be boys which further ingrains like this idea that relationships shouldn't be friendship, that there should be something, you know, kind of toxic about them. Yeah. It's just allo culture. Is so yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's like, <laughs> just like the, the whole, like, um, sort of, and that, that, that is tied to what we were talking about, how sort of like the not liking your partner thing after a while, or it just becoming the norm or whatever. Um, yeah. like, beca- like as, as you're grown up, like, that is sort of tied to it. And it's like, it's something I similarly never really understood. Like, why? It's, it should be. And I guess in my asexual experience, it's just like, to me, an ideal romantic relationship. And as a probably non, um, a romantic person, it's like, to me, a, a romantic relationship always should always feel like, of like a friendship on a very intimate level, right? Like, why would you have these sort of uh, notions so like, normalized, or like uh, these, these sort of like, like stereotypes, even as even as kids, and like just the sort and of like, and it, it leads to abusive relationships, with, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and like it doesn't like you don't have the same thing with friendships. Like it is normalized that like if that people grow apart within friendships, right? That like just because like someone enjoyed someone else's company so much at the beginning doesn't mean that like with time as both people change it will stay the same way right and like it is normalized to some degree that like friendships don't last you know for decades but why do we want to pretend that romantic relationships like especially when majority of them isn't even that that deep to begin with are supposed to you know last a lifetime and that you should like once you find that person attractive once you had sex with them and like you had romantic feelings for them maybe so like even though you don't want to have sex with this person now after they change after 10 years you still have to be that with them because but i think it could be also about this feeling of it kind of being uh, an obligation of sorts like a goal like something you have to mm. achieve so once you find that person that you just can tolerate that's enough okay fine i've achieved this i can finally rest in peace i have my partner i'll stay with mm-hmm. them for as long as i possibly can bear you know mm-hmm. because being single in this culture is kind of seen as something that's inferior yeah, yeah. But at the same time, throughout this talk about being ace, I'm thinking that we should have definitely had an, a token allosexual here to just explain <laughs> all the intricacies of being allo and all of our the token you know, allo. They, they already it. have the entire culture. Let us have this like small, oh, small yeah. like ace only space. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, but yeah. at the same time you know like also when we exist within this culture i have like at the back of my mind is like if i decide to you know not pursue any romantic relationship then with time all of my friends probably will be in romantic relationships and i like all this my intrinsic support system 
will be busy with their more intimate, more intense relationships. And so you like within this framework, you have when you like consider staying single for the rest of your life or for the majority even of your adult life, you have to also acknowledge that you will be worse off in some ways. Get more cats. That's my advice. Either get more cats than or stir the pots um, and make them breathe. Yeah, I, 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 I am not a having pets person, but uh, I can relate to the cats person because my uh, my incoming Blu-ray of the movie Cats can be my, my first one. <laughs> no, but like, no, but seriously, like, uh, I think that really speaks to just sort of a lo- the type of loneliness um to the asexual experience sort of that is tied to as type of asexual experience um because yeah that that could be a reality uh in in which like oh you don't choose to to pursue that um feeling be it sexual be it romantic and have that type that that in your life and everyone else around you does, and that that makes you feel that will inevitably inevitably make you feel lonely. But it's also the fact that like if you do um, if you do want to pursue romantic relationships with people, um, you also have to grapple with the the reality that most people aren't asexual, and in their yeah. romantic relationships, they will want sexual contact and. And yes, like asexual people do have sex within romantic relationships, but the, the discrepancy in the craving and will always be there. And I'm not saying that relationships between asexual people and allo people can't work. That's not. I, I don't think it's necessarily true, but it could be an issue that people face as they're heading into relationships. And I think I don't I know. I would just that... like society and like the culture we inserted <laughs> in in general would just like sort of find a way to um make these sort of discrepancies in feelings just like um and facilitate that like sort of communication between like oh what we want out of a romantic relationship uh involving sex and i i do think there's an an issue there yeah and i also think like whenever I think about maybe entering into a romantic relationship in the future, I am aware, as you said, that it probably would be an with an allosexual person, mm-hmm. and like there's so many like extra heavy factors that I have to consider from the bat. First of all, because I've never had sex, I can't, I, I don't know what actually like my emotional reaction to having sex will be, like whether I'll be sexually positive or neutral or maybe I'll be sexually repulsed because like because I've never you know I've never had the desire to engage in the activity just for the activity I have I can't tell what's gonna be my emotional reaction to the act itself I also you know like I imagine that when you're in a loving relationship and you do have sex you want the activity to be like pleasurable for both parties right exactly and like if you never have sex and also like a lot of ace people also don't even masturbate like it's very hard for you to actually like give them any instructions of like what might turn you on what might you know might be particularly pleasurable to you because it i think as an asexual person you have a completely different relationship with your body yeah and so it's like even if you're like willing to try and like have those conversations you just like you lack 
not only vocabulary but like data about your own body and the, it's a reactions to those things and it can be very scary and i think also it can be very like why for like for those allosexual people that might be into you why would they you know go through that extra work but there's like a whole world of other allosexual people they can be with that are equally as great as us where they don't have to go through that extra work yeah it 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 really is it really becomes like because in, in society in general um like these issues uh, aren't really like expressed enough this sort of like multiplicity of um of approaches to sex within romantic relationships and even in romantic relation to romantic relationships themselves that's like i think there really could be an issue where there is some extra work in sort of like um communicating with the partner about like those specific needs and like those discrepancies possible discrepancies and making things work and i think i don't know i can't speak from experience but i imagine it would be um like I don't know, it's some extra like emotional labor. I don't know, like to make that relationship uh, work. That's in in the sexual sense, and uh, in, in, in an emotions in emotional sense as well. Um, I don't know. What I found to be kind of a big issue because I don't know whether you can imagine that, but I am an asexual person potentially a romantic person and people ask me for relationship and sex advice <laughs> imagine that oh <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no, no that happens to me too don't get like definitely and, i and mean I, I am the designated like relationship counselor yeah i do like giving like i, I don't know i've always feel like an imposter giving that like but i do actually yeah. enjoy giving out relationship I'm just like, and sex so advice. because we in the third season of scam this works <laughs> Like yeah, I, I I don't know. It's I guess it's a matter of like knowing the, the people and like the people like that come to you for that advice or you that you're giving that advice to. Yeah, but also like this the detachment that yeah. you have, I, I think, from the topic as well. But what I was going to say is that there is a lot of weight put on sex, as in. I don't know if you'll agree, but to me, it's not that deep. It's not that meaningful, and it does not have this huge symbolism of loving another mm-hmm. person. Like sex is no, just sex. Like, like it's a physical act. Yeah, yeah, that's like it's just. It feels to me like potentially very pleasurable activity, but that's kind of that's kind of it. You know, like the yeah. way like some people like when you stroke their hair, like it. The reaction to like certain physical stimuli will be stronger in to some people and lesser to other people but like it's yeah. just a form like to me it's just like i mean i know that like when <laughs> when small kids ask their parents like what's sex and they say oh it's a game that like adults like to play but like to me it really is like this game of like who can give the other person bigger like physical pleasure but like it's like you said it's not deeper than just this physical activity that yeah. could potentially be very fun. Yeah, it's like to yeah, and so like yeah, uh, I, I was just gonna, just gonna just gonna interject and say so like like it, to me it's just kind of like it just seems like any other activity. Like I don't know, eating pizza. You don't crave eating pizza all the time. When you do, it's potentially pleasurable if it's a good pizza. But like you're not. I don't know if the the food metaphor works, but it's just I, it just seems like yeah. just another activity in my perception. 
Yeah. And like, because of, I think, mostly adult, probably some ace people as well, like, there is a lot of weight and symbolism attached with sex. Um, so it kind of also forces us to think about it uh, and to think about monogamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm, I, I feel like I'm the genius. <laughs> Imagine like being ace and being in a relationship with an allosexual person and being in a non-monogamous relationship where they can have that sexual, you know, activity stuff with other people mm-hmm. because like you, you don't think it's that important. But what I find surprising is that allo people actually don't like that idea. Mm-hmm. Like it, sex mm-hmm. is something much more to them and than I, it is to, to me. I think it's because I think sex is very embarrassing. And I think like... <laughs> No, like, no, yeah, but, like, yeah, think, it's funny. It, it is, think it's about, fundamentally about, funny. Like, <laughs> think about all, like, the weird sounds, weird, weird smells, like, everything. Like, to me, it's, like, a, in, like, intrinsically embarrassing activity. But the thing is that I think you cannot be more intimate when it's someone than, like, showing your most embarrassing version of yourself. Yeah. And I think that's why sex has grown to be such a uh grand activity i guess is because mm. like you just engage in a very vulnerable state with the other person and i think you know because we have we, we don't have the attraction we also don't understand the weight of that interaction and i think that's why a lot of a lot of people might be um might not like this idea of essentially polygamous relationship where you know, you have the primary romantic relationship, but the but they satisfy their sexual needs with other people. Is because for them, it's it's not just a physical. I mean, it can be just a physical like activity, but like because of this shared embarrassment, you know, you, you do create this very um, this very profound and infim- you can. You, I mean, you don't have to, but like I think you can create this like very profound intimacy with another person and that's why it's not just sex yeah i guess it really just comes down to um what people individually um sort of like yeah. the, the importance that people give sex and that's something that has like within a particular relationship that has to be like sort of bargained and communicated um but but yeah like I guess I, I, I like to bring it back to the book. I, I think there's like a really cool portion, of, of, <laughs> a really cool portion of. We the are book. academic. <laughs> to quote. And I think we completely <laughs> forgot about the book for some time. It was just like you know an ace. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I mean that, yeah. was, that was that was kind of the point. That was the point of this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, uh, like there's a, a portion of the book. Where I think she says something. Uh, I I don't have like I don't. Uh, I haven't read the book. I just listened to it, so I can't mm-hmm. bring it up like the exact quote. But I think um, she references sort of like um, aloe people ha- crave sex for the sake of sex, like for the sake of wanting that activity and having that activity with someone. And when ace people that aren't sex repulsed or d- do end up having being in relationships where they do have sex, um, that sex like will automatically mean something different to them it's uh if they do enjoy the sex that they're having with the person it's more about the connection that is being formed while the act is being made i think i guess it would be quite the opposite 
I don't know, my ex- my experience, not really my experience, but my thought will be quite different that um, when you do have ace people who do partake in sexual activities, I like the language that we're using, sexual relations, activities, and, and all that fancy terms. Uh, it It's... Well, it could be either about pleasing the partner and forming that connection, mm. and it could be even more detached. So it would be just about the activity, regardless of the person that you're having it with. Oh, you yeah. know, because it's it's very chemical, chemically driven. So I have the need to have sex right now, and you know, just for the sake of satisfying this, this physical urge that my body has. Oh, okay. Oh, I get what you're uh, saying. Yeah, definitely. No, I'll, yeah, I get. I get what you're saying. I get. I guess um, that in I that part. I think she just she just meant the like ace people never just. I mean, not never, but like the the general idea is that like you don't want the sex for sex, but like you participate in the activity for other reasons usually. So like to if you have high libido to like to get the itch, but like it's just mm-hmm. like. It's not, you don't have, like, innate feelings around it. You have intellectual feelings about it, Yeah, that makes sense. It's either, like, to scratch an itch, like, uh, if you do have a high libido, like you said, or to just, like, okay, let's have this, and I consent to this within a relationship, to, you know, forming a more meaningful bond. And, like you said, it will be just an act, and it's more detached. It's just, oh, just another activity, like, I don't know, going on a walk or something. Uh, but it... I mean, going on walks is much more of fun. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and less embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I you guess... don't have any... And you won't get a UTI if you're going on a walk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, in the sense that, like, it's just, uh, just another activity I do to, like, really, you know, to satisfy this need to strengthen the relationship. Or, like, with people with high libido that don't actually experience sexual yeah. attraction to just scratch an itch whereas i guess allo people and i i don't know i can't speak for their experiences but as it is described in the book it's more like where is the token <laughs> where is the token allo <laughs> like i guess it's more to like really just like it, it goes back to what uh we were talking about in the beginning it's so hard to define what it is because like yeah it's like i guess it's just like to really want to do the act like craving that act for the sake of it and not with like ulterior motives, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ulterior motives. I, I guess. I think it's like, I think it's like just like whenever when you have like a craving to eat like your favorite food. Yeah. But yeah. like for the activity, I guess. Yeah, and I I guess like I think I've used this metaphor before. I don't know if you agree with it. Like I was mentioning the food metaphor, and I'd like. And I was like, it's like, imagine that your favorite food, imagine for like a particular, I think I use this to explain what, that there are some asexual people that do enjoy sex. Like in mm-hmm. that case, like imagine that you have a favorite food and you, when you do eat it, you love it, but you never have a craving for it. I guess it's kind of yeah. would be it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but also think that like... um I think I was just thinking about like the the, the hypothetical really like romantic relationship we were talking about, you know, like with allosexual person and asexual person is that like I guess it might feel very wounding to the allosexual person when like the asexual person just like 
has oh, sex yeah. with them because they want to yeah. please them, but they don't actually desire them. Because, exactly. like, like being desired is just put on, like, sexually desired is just put on such a pedestal in our society. And, like, it's not enough that, like, you you want to be with them. Like, if you don't sexually desire them, then, like, it's supposed to be, like, this badge of shame for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. But also the, the aspect of, you know, potential just physical sexual frustration of the other person if they, you know, they have a higher libido yeah. than you and if you do not wish to yeah. to have sex with them. So, like, it's it's a lot of things that it, I feel like it's a, it would be very difficult to make an allo and ace relationship work without a lot of compromises yeah. on you know both sides it, it must at least a little bit be I, I feel like it has to at least be a little bit uncomfortable for both parties to like make it function because you either don't have enough sex or you yeah. have too much sex you know it's mm-hmm. but at the same time i do think that like long-term commitment is always a bit uncomfortable for both people yeah because you because that's the difference between being in a partnership and being alone is that like being alone it's all about your comfort and like taking care of yourself whereas in partnership the idea is that like you in equal amounts take care of yourself and of the other person and like that means that sometimes the other person will take precedence over your own needs yeah i i yeah i agree with but at the same time um I, during our ace rant mm-hmm. about uh, romance <laughs> and couple culture we talked about how I, or maybe i didn't tell you this mm-hmm. maybe i just thought that i had to tell you this <laughs> that i do feel like also the difference between being in a friendship and being in a relationship is that weirdly enough you can be more selfish mm-hmm. in a relationship yeah because it's um, it is also about that, about allowing yourself to be selfish and have someone, you know, to take care of you. While in friendships, it's the kind of an unwritten rule that you have to be just as considerate of the yeah. other person. And, you know, it's it's very polite, I would say, why this aspect of politeness, consideration and all those, you know, kind of yeah. rules and boundaries... It dissolves in romantic relationships I think. yeah because i think with friendships at least i mean in our circle of friends i guess there is this like um hey can i talk to you do you like can can i take up some of your space and energy whereas i think in a romantic relationship you just like you just you don't even ask it's like the the consent the emotional consent is kind of implied yeah yeah and it's also, you know, like being being moody when you, if you share a space with your romantic partner, you know, being moody and, you know, having your own cravings and wanting more space on the shelf or whatever, you know, it's just kind of natural that there is a push and pull between you two, between these two identities, trying to take as much space as is acceptable. While with friends, it's, you know, yeah. there is a clear wall between you two. Yeah, yeah. Relationships are hard. <laughs> I like yeah. Alicia. I'm just like I. Like my friend that uh, Pedro, you you got to know, or to you know of João. I don't think he listens to the podcast, but like shout out to him. He um, 
he's like thinking of uh of downloading tinder because like he's starting to be in a better place and stuff like that he's aloe by the way i don't know if i should <laughs> Ooh, exotic how like, exotic how did he realize that <laughs> oh no i'm i hope i didn't out him i'm so sorry <laughs> and but like like just even like dating like casually dating like let alone actually forging intimacy and the relationship just like casually like looking for options and like trying to get a few people to see if like someone would be a good fit that just feels so draining and just like it feels like so much work and so much of your time like 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 when when we met raquel who is our friend from california and like she, you know, she engages in the hookup slash dating cu- culture that's like very in, in, in intrinsically American. And it's just like, how do you find the time in your very busy life? Because she's she's from LA, she's in film school, she's like been working on like film sets uh, most of her life. And it's like, how do you find the time to engage in those very draining activities, right? You know what I, mean? I I guess it's really is the different but difference between this sort of like um, like I don't know aloe culture and ace culture, <laughs> where it's just like you really with ace culture, I guess you would find that sort of fulfillment in like filling your time with not doing that, whereas in aloe culture, like oh yeah, it's seen as like productive and fulfilling to seek out that type of relationship uh even if it's just for a night uh and that's something like i some like as we were talking to her it's like oh yeah people do that oh shit yeah it's, it's like the norm <laughs> like oh okay yeah okay yeah sure sure okay it's so, like i just it, i i mean it is sort of reassuring for like i don't know for like for so long during my adolescence i wonder like am i even asexual am i just really just depressed and i don't have a high libido or whatever i guess i have yeah. these real yeah. these interactions with be with like aloe people just makes me realize oh no it's no yeah this is reassuring i definitely don't relate to that yeah but at the same time i do have this feeling like when i have these like interactions with aloe people it's just like i realize that like if one day i choose to pursue a romantic relationship i'm kind of at disadvantage because there's like mm-hmm. years of experience in yeah. this like language and within this code system and within this like set of customs that yeah. like, i've only kind of observed from the outside but never you i have no like experience to how to act within those dynamics and i do think but i also f- feel like they are useless like i just don't get the point of the whole flirting i mean i don't either, understand like, it either courting game i don't understand like, it either why just cut the just the chill I mean, just vibe and, you know, like, like do that like, like, i understand vibe, it yeah no the thing is no no, no. <laughs> i do understand its existence to build the yearning and as a person that has read a lot of enemies to lovers fanfics i do appreciate Ooh. yearning <laughs> but like other than that, it's just, it, it feels like a waste of time of everybody's time. Yeah, but you know, like, the effort that people put into creating their Tinder profiles and, mm-hmm. like, the, this, these unwritten rules, the, the most absurd ones, I feel like, mm-hmm. are the ones about uh, how long after receiving the message should I reply? Oh, I don't get... You know, like, I, being I so get that worried about I don't get all that these little yeah, things. I don't just, get that at all. It's just, like, this whole, like, ritual... These whole, like, set of rituals yeah. and set of, like, norms and, like, sort of etiquette, like, th- relating to these things is, like, it's all just so t- 
taxing. It just seems so taxing of like this added mental effort like i don't know just like living and being busy just already a mental effort why would i bring yeah. that upon myself to like really just be so clinical about like how i should approach this relationship i don't know ideally it would just kind of just come naturally if those feelings yeah. are to come just i don't let it happen like vibe away why does it have yeah i totally relate to that feeling like it just seems so complicated and so and I don't understand. In a way, I kind of admire how it comes so naturally to people. But like, oh, I can't do it. I think it just comes naturally from experience because, like, yeah. they engage within that that like that set of roles and those like they've been performing these rituals usually like from mid teenage years, so like from fourteen, fifteen years old usually. Or so like when they get to our age they have like seven years of experience of doing these rituals like imagine doing something for seven years you wouldn't have like at that point like an instinct of how to do it how how to play the game essentially but and that's what i mean is that like because and it comes back to this thing of like then having to accept the fact that should you be a should you come to the conclusion that you're a romantic asexual person then like you have to like also accept the fact that the majority of your options are allo people and therefore you kind of you will probably have to to some degree play the ritual i'm, I'm not necessarily but it also like i'm not necessarily saying from like like that you have to engage with it the same way but like you will have yeah. to deal with all the with all their like learned behavior and you don't have the instinctive understanding of it yeah yeah but also like from my perspective the little games they also seem pretty counterproductive like i don't know why would you want to sound more interesting to that person than you are in real life like why why do you feel like you have to enhance yourself to sell yourself yeah or, you know they are going to see you for who you are at some point i think it's again uh, comes from the fact that we a lot of people a lot of people but i think also asexual people are uh, educated to believe that being sexually desired is an intrinsic m mirror of their value and so yeah. you have to sort of false are like you have to present a false advertisement of yourself in order to but then you are you know setting yourself up for i mean i, I don't i i don't think it's good and i don't think it's actually productive <laughs> but i think it's like a mental shortcut to get the result that you want yeah yeah but at the same time we can console ourselves with the thought that our being oblivious to the little rituals would be you know like this freshness for the typical adult person and they will be completely infatuated with how oblivious and naive we are and you know how straightforward we can be yeah that's, that's what i'm going for yeah that could i mean you know we should make like we should like in i don't know 20 years times we should like make another <laughs> episode and discuss let's hope there will be more asexual media yes. to talk about that yes please please so yeah to sort of see how in the next 20 of years maybe we'll gain some new thoughts on our yeah. shared identity yeah and maybe or maybe we'll realize it was all a phase <laughs> Damn. actually like we were just very repressed, you know, we were just very repressed yeah. and depressed, repressed and depressed um, and all the things. And actually all of us were um, 
were victims of uh, sexual cults as newborns babies that's why we had like <laughs> uh, like what's the word like re regressed memories repressed memories and that yeah. yeah we were just and we'll find the one yeah we yes. were just, just uh, victims yeah. of the western uh like conspiracy <laughs> to indulge in alternative lifestyles i guess i don't know yeah yeah the leftist the leftist <laughs> agenda to not have sex <laughs> Because sex is intrinsically capitalist, and we just don't want it. Oh, it is though. It is though. <laughs> maybe we just like Wait, very. Wait, was the House of Cards? Maybe we quote like. Maybe we're just very, very communist. Maybe we're nice. Maybe we're just like deeply internalized <laughs> communists. No, but wouldn't it be the opposite? Like, we do not want to share this good with other people. But there's Damn. no good to be no. shared. Maybe the real because... private property. Oh, yeah. Maybe the real private property was. Uh, like Genitalia. sexual relationships all along. <laughs> the only thing that can fuck you is the party. Oh god. <laughs> like, oh my god. I don't know. No, it would. This was a journey yeah. into surfing. Yeah, it would be. It would be fun to like sort of in twenty years time, like sort of. Um, yeah, <laughs> just like, sort of like, oh, what did change about like my relationship with sex or non-relationship with sex and like how that relates to other people okay but imagine yeah. how embarrassing it would be to like if it if it happens that to admit and realize that it was a phase <laughs> and to take all this shit that we've talked about allo people back and to apologize to we, them we'll make a notes people. app apology i don't indulge in that type of uh, behavior anymore, and I'm very sorry. I am all about the penis and the vagina now. <laughs> no, we should make, make a recording, and like a video recording from the floor, like, you know, with a fake crying. And guys, I'm so sorry, I have something important to tell you. I do have sex now. Sex is great, actually. <laughs> like, I've just, the truth is, guys, I just, like, I've been surrounded with such ugly people that I just, like, I thought... <laughs> people around there are just so, <laughs> such uggos that I didn't even want to have sex with them. And once I, like, I don't know, moved to LA, I started engaging <laughs> in orgies. I don't know. It wasn't my sexuality. You're just ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, this was so fun. I think it's got it's my favorite episode so yeah, far. Yeah, maybe. Just so nice. Yeah. yeah. What if we just Thank move to New York and become involved in the, the pornography subculture? Yeah, I think that way we might actually come to the conclusion that we are not as asexual. I think this is the advice. Yes. We should like work at these joints. Yeah. Is there any like pornographic cinema anymore? Oh, there used to be one in Poland. There is one in Poznan. I, I think. I, really? Yeah. Where? Wait, really? I I think it, it's something like I, that. It is certainly an erotic kind of a cinema. I've seen the even like the banner thingy. Mm -hmm. I guess is similar to the one of the old similar uh, cinemas, like you oh know, with the God. like white background and oh, black block, black we block letters. We don't even have to move to New York. <laughs> It's like, yeah. I know that there used to be one in Lisbon, but I think it closed down. I don't think there's any 
anyone like i i don't think i don't know if i'd ever want to get, get into one but like as a person who's like obsessed with like the theatrical experience in cinemas in general it's just like it's fascinating to me that those would be a thing especially if like when like pornography has become so like low you know it's like I, private i googled it where is it there are eight oh my of them. oh Oh my, and one even has like the red door and like th these weird like oh uh, writings on it. That's so oh, weird. It's 18 plus. Oh, my, it's so weird to me. I mean, it, when we were watching Taxi Driver in uh, Black Cat Cinema, yeah. it was like the the whole idea of like going to cinemas to watch porn is like so weird to me because like to me watching yeah. porn yeah. is like such a like intimate thing to do, and like the thing is like that like, you. I mean, watching movies in general like can be very intimate thing you know but like you you're getting aroused in an audience with other people who are getting aroused at the same time is this oh, the whole point yeah. is this the king is, is it, like like is is it is, just there, cinema? is there like a huge is there just like a huge line to to the bathroom stalls after for like the walking sessions and everyone has a semi? Like, what's the uh, point? It's, it's <laughs> fascinating though. Like, I don't obviously I wouldn't relate to like want to do that, but like, it's fa is it like the purest form of like going to the cinema? Because like, why do we go to the cinema to experience emotions all together, or whatever? Uh, and like, wouldn't it be like a very pure form of going to the cinema, all to experience horniness together? Is that a communal experience? I don't know. It's fascinating, though. I found like a pricing of one of those cinemas in Poznan. Mm -hmm. I don't know what year this article is from, but so it has the, like a cinema, uh, like a film, thirty minutes. That's three uh, zlotys, mm -hmm. and then you can have one in like a, a stall with a person that dances and with a vibrator as well it's i didn't know they were like this you know this is so bizarre they look so seedy oh my god oh my they even have those like old um boxy uh tv sets oh here which probably like even have a vhs oh my god that's fascinating. Oh so yeah, we we can go and visit them. I I would <laughs> no please going no. variety. Yeah, I'm going variety mode. Like I it, like part of me like part of me would kind of really feel uncomfortable in that space, but the other part of me would like love to go as like an anthropological sort of like experience. Yeah, yeah because like yeah, like what you said is that like you find sex very interesting, and I feel like that. I have the same thing because I feel like sexuality is very psychological and so I view it through the lens of like the human psychology and also you know like Freudian psychoanalysis and stuff so it would be very interesting to go there and to like observe people and like what it is that like does it for them yeah I mean I think that's why I mean I, I really like watching like rom-coms because like it's just fascinating to see like all the ways like the attraction can be portrayed yeah. i i i love erotic thrillers and like oh my like then i love why am i presenting like i don't love reading erotica like it's so fascinating Shit, we did a whole the, like... episode on erotica like i don't know go back and listen to that we would we love it's super that. funny like it i don't know funny. but it's fascinating like yeah the things that like because we are so detached from it, it's like 
it's real like anthropological it's like going kind of to you know to a remote part of africa and like observing this very bizarre and very isolated culture but at the same time we're the isolated part of this culture yeah it's oh yeah maybe it's asexuality really is like an intellectual superpower or whatever <laughs> like i don't know like, we're we just are intellectually the, superior we are just um we are really the most equipped to like make the definitive statements about sexuality and stuff i don't know <laughs> like um but yeah like i love erotic thrillers like i love learning about like sexuality and kinks and, like shit my job is all about sex <laughs> Like, I find it so funny. Like, like as a part of my job, like, learning about all these fetishes in order to, like, correctly identifying them. It's like, this is the coolest and funniest shit I've ever seen. It's fascinating. It, like, I don't know. I I guess that's why I, I kind of... I, maybe it's, like, like, a very personal thing, like, with variety and why I chose to, want like, bring it up. It's like, I, 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 I would... I, I've never, like, had... Was obsessed with sex or, like like i don't relate to that particular experience of the character but like i think it really captures my the way i am sort of interested in learning about sexuality just like from the outside like looking in just sort of fascinating by like what goes on within the, the other people like other people's world like not in an evasive way but just like liking to read about it and like enjoying listening to like personal experiences with sex i don't know yeah I had that, like, very particular, like, I had the hint, I mean, not the hint, but the impression of, you know, asexuality, I saw a bit of that in that scene where she walks into the shop with all the magazines and DVDs, and just, like, looks around and looks at all those men, like, invested, you know, on the phone, or, like, reading, or, like, watching something, and she just looks around, and I feel like she was trying hard to find something that she didn't really find, but she could look at that culture and she could study it and like the um, the contrast between the way she looked there, the way she behaved there and the way that all the men that were there participating in that culture, in the, the activity of reading, watching porn, the, the contrast between their behaviors was really interesting. So that was like a hint of her maybe aceness, maybe not, mm. we will never know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I guess it's, yeah. like, left interpretation. <laughs> like, the the whole ending of the movie is just so open that, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. But, yeah. like, I think, like, not until we, like, someone consciously decides to make a movie that explores asexuality, I don't think... I can't think of a movie um, that, like, even just hinting, like, kind of portrays the experience of detachment from that culture better. Yeah. Wasn't like wasn't there a character in Bojack? Oh yeah. 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 I do really, yeah, I do yeah, actually yeah. really like Todd and I, I don't know if you guys have seen um Bojack, but like I've started watching it but like I couldn't yeah, get I, I've, it. I've seen it and I do really enjoy that character actually. Because, like I don't know, I, I there's something that really annoys me about the asexual stereotype and I think Marcy shared with me like once like a video essay about asexual representation. Like I do mm -hmm. don't really like the whole um, stereotype that asexual people are like really stuck up and like like overly nerdy and sort of like are suck at suck at like um, social relationships and stuff. Yeah, it's like like asexual like in the sense that they are not sexy. Yeah, not like not actual, sexy, like, not interesting people. Like yeah. like the absence of sexual attraction equates like 
not being interesting in that sense, like very boring people. And like I what I did enjoy about Todd from Bojack is that like that character is I don't know, it's like I don't think it's the most like flattering sexy portrait because he's just kind of like a slacker. But like the fact that he is asexual just makes it fun in the sense that like, oh, this is just a regular guy who has his own traits and personalities that like aren't really tied to being asexual. He just happens to be yeah asexual is like a guy that's just like is kind of dumb and goofy and likes to i don't know like lay around and have naps like that kind of character just happens <laughs> to be asexual and i did i do like that um marcy will know that you pedro will not know, <laughs> know that but actually um i came out to a person from uni uh, at some point i think it was from uni that fucking yeah. bitch <laughs> Uh, yeah, That's so I funny. came out as ace, <laughs> yeah. and the the reaction was, oh my god, that's impossible, you present so sexual and you're so sexy, there's no way you're ace. So, yeah, oh, th- no. this, like, this, you know, connection between being sexy or unsexy and your own sexuality is just so strong in people. Um, yeah, like, ace people, or they are either p- portrayed as very boring or possibly, I feel like, falling on the autistic spectrum yeah. as well. Uh, which, or like just you, you know, too, we, we stand representation or like, that, or like too childish to experience sexual yeah. feelings. Yeah. Very interesting, though. Uh, the person that in my life that is the most sexually active happens to be autistic. Um, shout out! Shout to, out to Logan! Shout out, shout out to Logan, previous guest of the podcast. Like he, he is an autistic person, but he loves sex and like loves talking about sex, and he is very horny and like open about just you know like like having sex a lot and wanting to have sex a lot and having yeah, like his relationship like also, very sexual. It's like yeah, shout out to that. Also- That's cool. There, I mean, there's a whole chapter in the book that you should definitely read uh, about disability and <laughs> yes, yes. asexuality, and that like we are more likely to just think that disabled people are asexual, Which, whether that disability is just like being yeah. on uh, autistic spectrum or maybe in a wheelchair. That we just because we don't find these people sexy, that's why they're not supposed to, like society, like as a society, that's why they're not supposed to feel sexual feelings. I think I've seen on TikTok, which obviously means that it's true, <laughs> uh, that there is actually like, um, I don't know whether you could call it that, I, I hope it, I could call it that, like a branch of sex workers, kind of, or like carers, caregivers that actually, you know, focuses on like taking care of the sexual needs of disabled people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's very cool yeah. because um, at the same time, like I feel like we don't think and care about it enough. But at least in allo people, I think that if you have like you know Q and A's with disabled people, uh, a lot of the questions might revolve around sex. Like, how do you have sex like this? Like, h- how do you want sex? You know, like yeah. I I don't know for some reason like sex and whether you have it whether you can have it is like you know one of the first questions on people's minds yeah and i think also because like so much of our um relationships and interactions as adults is supposed to be within the sex market when you try to just present yourself in a way that's appealing to yourself so like when you ascribe to certain aesthetic or just like 
I don't know, you want to feel pretty, you put on some makeup on, whatever. It's seen as uh, your advertise, you're advertising yourself for sex, for, for sexual desire of other people. And yeah, so which like, inter- like, I think, do think those notions that like, um, both for disabled people, which I, I did really love that chapter in the book. And I re- like, I really think it's a very point issue to bring up when discussing asexuality and um, that it, it in turn just be, ends up being sort of ableist to like, just assume that like, oh, those people aren't interested in sex, like, because obviously poor people those poor people don't obviously would never do that so they automatically like it's just very dehumanizing and like to what you're saying about like putting on makeup and really presenting like like really nice clothes and like putting on a nice outfit just seeing as like selling yourself to be more sexually um appealing and just seeing that as something to make yourself more sexually appealing especially in women it's just like it's also sexist because you know yeah and i also think like i mean i might be going on a on a on a limb here but i do think that ace people have a way looser relationship with their own gender because they're not that concerned with the most important aspect of gender presentation which is like which is within sex relationships you know like i do think that where gender comes mostly in as a as something that carries information is when you try to establish a sexual slash romantic relationship with someone yeah and if you sort of cut away from one identity which is you know sexual allosexual identity you also cut away from sort of gender presentation because like you don't really care what signals you're you're putting out there because you're not really you don't really care about the outcome of your presentation in that sense yeah um i i, I did, mean at least I, that's that's you know that's my thought process yeah yeah you, you know, guys can disagree i i, I agree and i i love the the, uh, the portion in the book and i even said marcy that's like um because i do think that like a, a big part of the gender performance is like surrounds like seeking out sex and potential sexual partners just like it's seen as very masculine to like um and that's referenced in the book as like being some like it is seen as masculine to like uh seek out sex and like be very assertive in that way of like especially in heterosexual world like you know like picking up women that's the big part of like the masculine performance seen seen as like Mm -hmm. Uh, like a womanizer how many chicks did you get chad like that and and it's like it's it's also seen as like very condescendingly in sexist in a sexist way like feminine to be very passive in that sense and waiting for the men too so like it, it is i do agree to that point that like asexual people are more likely to sort of diverge from those gender norms because of that I try not to think about it too much, <laughs> not to have yet another. I relate I to that. Crisis. Don't get me wrong. I relate to that. Um, but like now you forced me I'm to so think sorry. about it. I'm so sorry. Like, 
Yeah, actually, when I think about like, I, I present very, very feminine, I think, but I do feel at the same time that I've managed to somehow like not buy into a lot of uh, gender stereotypes and norms in, in Poland, like not even those about looks, but also about your behavior as mm-hmm. a woman. So, you know, like what is uh, womanly or ladylike? Uh, what are what is I don't know that or even like um, not even like behavior but even the thinking like there is sometimes it's, yeah. I talk with like my allo friends who like are very progressive or very feminist and then they just like say something that's like very like they just it's very connected with those gender norms and I was like I would never like that would never even cross my mind you know what I mean yeah 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 I guess we just like the most punk. Of- it's <laughs> it's so punk. It's true. It's, it's actually true. the most punk thing is to never have sex. <laughs> the sex pistols were actually no sex pistols. <laughs> oh god. The asexual pistols. The asexual pistols. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I think I think we've said enough. Now there's only one thing, which is. We have to decide on the song that we want to play at the oh. end of this episode. I'm voting for WAP. Oh my god. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, that's a, Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, that's another... Uh, like, not to drag this even further. I, I, I'll be brief. It's like... <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, like, I think... In, like, there are a lot of sex repulsed asexuals. But, like, I don't know. To my own experience, is like... Oh, you're sexual. You obviously don't like overly sexual things, but like, no, like when WAP came out, like I was like, this rules. This is so cool. Just what? Because like I don't know. Because sex is just seen to me as like just another thing that's so common in society. It's like just another act. It's just, it's just something you do with your body, and yeah. like why wouldn't you be overtly sexual in like songs or movies? Just like whatever. Like yeah, and. and- and then what I also really like about WAP is that, like, when you think about hip-hop and the way female bodies and male bodies are just over-sexualized there, and it's just part of the aesthetic and it's part of the genre, it's just... WAP is just so fun. It's 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 a fun song. It's, it's, it's so beat. fun. Oh, it's street. <laughs> and it's, like, a reclamation yeah. of yeah. this portrayal of women. That's, like, the most important thing. And, like, it's kind of sad and upsetting seeing how, you know, like people seem so and the same was i think with anaconda yeah, yeah. like they they seem so like anaconda upset that do- women can flaunt their bodies like that well yeah that's what men have been doing for women for years yeah. so like let us do something yeah. with them now yeah it's and also just... they're both bops i don't like yeah. that's the thing yeah. like as a person that like really appreciates good lyrics a banger is a banger, no matter what is about well, like Wop a has, good song. Wop has very creative lyrics. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, swipe your nose like a credit s- card. It's so funny. Like park that Big Mac truck. I'm reading the lyrics now. Park that Big Mac truck <laughs> right in this little garage. It's so fun. And also the way she said the way she says it is like right in this little garage. Like she it, says it so fun. Yeah. And like when, when when she says right in this little garage, and like you hear the siren like in the background. Yeah. It is. It's so good. I fucking love WAP. <laughs> okay, WAP. WAP. It is then. Yeah. Like touch that little dangly thing that swing in the back of my throat. <laughs> Ah! 
it's just yeah so this this has been this has been it yeah that's that on that do you guys want to say anything before we want yes i was thinking of it yeah for like two minutes now <laughs> i want to make use of your glorious and brilliant title of this episode uh-huh so here is my closing line. Okay. As you know, I feel like I have to have a one line. Okay. So I do hope that we have managed to prove that asexuality is in fact asexuality. Thank you. You can, you know, applaud now. And that's that on that. Now, please. Cut to warp. <laughs> Back to warp. <laughs>